And he'll do just that. He'll pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about fools and wise men. Now, normally the difference is fairly self-evident between a fool and a wise person. Consider these statements from the Greenville, South Carolina Department of Social Services. Your food stamps will be stopped effective March 2010 because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there's a change in your circumstances. On the other hand, a wise person, Lee Iacocca, one of the greatest leaders of our day, if you had to identify in one word the reason why the human race has not and will never reach their full potential, that word would be meetings. I get an amen on that. Amen. The foolish. Smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life, says Brooke Shields. The wise, Will Rogers. You should never say anything to a woman that even remotely suggests that she's pregnant unless you can see an actual baby emerging from her at that moment. Now that's wisdom. The fool. It isn't pollution that's harming the environment. It's the impurities in the air and the water that are doing it, says Al Gore. Wisdom. Anonymous. Men are like fine wine. They start out as grapes, and it's up to woman to stomp the tar out of them until they turn into something acceptable to have dinner with. Do I get an amen, ladies? <laughs> Foolish. Outside of the killings, Washington has one of the lowest crime rates in the country, former Mayor Marion Barry. And my favorite wise statement, David Barry, never under any circumstances take both a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. Now that's wisdom. Most of the time it's pretty obvious the difference between the wise and the foolish. But Jesus puts a whole new twist on this idea in the realm of our spiritual lives in a wonderful, very simple, familiar parable that's located both in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. We're beginning in verse 46, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. On the other hand, Jesus says, but the one who hears my word and does not put him into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the turret struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Now, we know this parable. If we've been around church for any time, and those of us who grew up in church, we even used to sing a little song about this called, The Wise Man Built His House Upon a Rock. I remember even the little hand motions. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man, and it went on and on, the rains came down. See, Luke now, writing this, is a Gentile. And he misses just a little bit of the meaning that would naturally come to those who lived in Israel about this parable. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 25, verse 27, Matthew, who is Jewish now, catches right away what Jesus is trying to say. And so let's look at that for just a moment, because it adds a little bit more understanding to this parable. 
in verse 25, talks about the, the rains coming again. It says, the rain came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. On the other hand, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, what this adds, and what the Jewish people who Jesus was communicating this parable to would have immediately caught on to, is this fact, this cultural fact. In Palestine, during the summer times, there's dry weather, and many of the rivers dry up in the summertime. And what's left is a sandy kind of soft foundation. However, in the winter, when the rains return, these same sandy river bottom beds become a torn, raging river again. And so it's in this kind of location, and it's under this kind of understanding that Jesus shares this parable. And in it, he's using three different items that relate to our lives in a spiritual sense. And and again, remember that Jesus is talking about our spiritual life. The house that we're building is exactly that, our spiritual lives. It's our relationship with God that he's talking about. The sand or the rock is the foundation that we're building our spiritual lives upon. The torrents or the rain... That is symbolic of life's trials and life's tribulations that will invade us suddenly and turn our whole lives upside down. So Jesus is talking about preparing ourselves for those circumstances that will come. Remember, I say often here that there's three kinds of people sitting here today. Those who right now are experiencing some life storm. Your life is upside down and things aren't happy right now. Things are very challenging for you. There's another group of people who are coming out of a life storm. You've been in it for a while, and now you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and there's some relief. And then the final group are those people who things are going pretty good right now, but inevitably you are going back into some life storm because life cycles that way. And so Jesus is talking about when these trials come and just beat down on us. And he's talking about how the wise people prepare for it or how the foolish people do not prepare for those times. That's what this parable is all about. Now, Jesus' parable begs us to answer the question, fools and wise men, which one am I? Which role am I playing in life right now? Now, Jesus' parable first reminds us that sometimes fools appear wise. Sometimes they appear wise. For example, both took time to hear the words of Jesus in this parable. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? See, now Jesus isn't talking about the atheistic crowd in this parable. He's not addressing the agnostics. He's not addressing the unbelievers. You know, Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. And that's a foolish way to approach life, believing there is no God. But that's not the audience that Jesus is addressing. Jesus is talking to the church crowd here. He's talking to his fellow countrymen who are engaged in the synagogue, who are engaged in the religious aspects of the Mosaic law. He's talking to them, but he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He asks them a question because of the way they're living their lives. Both of these folks in this parable build their houses in the same location. 
You know, there's not a huge difference between these folks, and that's the reason we, we know that one house survives and one house collapses. These aren't guys from different sides of the track. They are two builders who built in the same location. It's the same kind of lifestyle. And spiritually speaking, these are builders who are theologically orthodox. They're morally sound. They're good people. They, they both share the similar kind of lifestyle in that they're both homeowners, so they have a certain standard of financial living. So they build in the same location. They're not from opposite sides. And today, we might say that they're, all, they're both members here at Florida Bible Church. And consequently, they both appear to build the same kind of house. The, the casual observer would look at the house they build and say, those guys are just alike. They live in the same neighborhood. They act the same. They embrace the same values. And that's how so many people would look at all of us today. As we drove on to the, the campus this morning, or maybe as you were leaving your neighborhood, heading to church, and people saw you leaving, they knew you were going to church. You know, they would look at all of us, and they would say, those are all the same kind of people. They're all the religious people. They're all the spiritual people. There are those Christ followers. There's godly people. But Jesus knows that although our houses may look the same, and though we might be living in the same location, and we might be hearing the words of Jesus today, Jesus knows that we're not all prepared for the storms that are coming. He knows that we're not all living our lives wisely. He knows that some of us are on a foolish path that is not preparing us for what is coming our way. They both heard the words of Jesus. They both built their houses in the same locations. They both built to what appeared to be the same kind of house, but their outcome was dramatically different when the storms came. And that is so true in the lives of church people. The outcome of the same life circumstance or similar life circumstance can have dramatically different impact and consequences. And people who hear the Word of God, and people who belong to the same church, and people whose lives appear to be the same. What's the difference? What is the difference? What causes such dramatically different outcomes? Well, in Jesus' parable, generally speaking, this is the difference. Wise men pursue wisdom. Wise men aren't just going through life. They're, they're not just waiting for life to impact them. They're not just kind of hanging around enjoying the ride. There is purpose to their life. There is a strategy to the way they live. They pursue wisdom. And what does that look like in a spiritual sense? Well, first of all, the wise both listen and act. They listen and act. In fact, this is the great, great difference that Jesus points out in this parable. In Luke 6, 47, he says, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and what? Puts them into practice. 
contrasting that, he says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. See, Jesus says, first of all, that the wise, those who are living their lives wisely, not only put themselves in a position where they're able to hear the word of God, they put what they hear into practice in their life. And that is such a relative thought for the 21st century Christian church. Because so many people come to church and they hear the word of God, but then they walk out of the building and never do anything with it. It's just a compartment of their life. It's one of the events of their weekly schedule. James the half-brother of Jesus later said in his epistle, James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word. And he says, and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. See, so many people, and it's a whole lot better than, than the Psalm 14.1 person who says there is no God, but so many people get involved in religious organizations. And they do religious things but they're never really applying the principles, the teachings of Jesus Christ to their everyday life. And Jesus says that's a foolish path to take. They also do the tough stuff. Wise people do the tough stuff. Again, in Jesus' parable in Luke 6.48, it says, He's like the man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Now, the fool, in in this parable, built a house on ground without a foundation. Now, the people of Jesus' time would have immediately caught this vision of what Jesus was describing. You can just picture two guys that come to the same location. They're both going to build the same kind of house. One of them looks at this wonderful, sandy, flat ground that is soft and pliable, and he's thinking, this is where I'm going to build my house. This, This is easy. I can drive the stakes in the ground easy that will support the walls of the house. It's not going to be a lot of work. The ground's already soft. It's ready to go. This is going to be an easy... I can build my house in a month. It's not going to take much effort at all. But then he's watching this other guy build his house, and this guy's digging down deep. And he digs down to the rock, and he's he's transporting all this soil and, and everything, and he's really making sure that his house's foundation is on the rock. Now, it's a lot harder to do that. It takes a lot more time to do that. It takes a lot more energy and effort to do that. But Jesus said that's the wise course. Now, when we translate that into the spiritual realm of our life and our relationship with Christ, what that is saying, you know, today, and this is so indicative, again, of the 21st century Christian church, especially in America, that so many people are embracing and seeking the path of least resistance. You know, yes, they believe in God. Yes, God has a compartment in their life. But they, they want to go places where the message is always uplifting. They want to go where it's always going to be sounding good and where they're always encouraged. And, and, and we try to do that at Florida Bible. But they want the path of least resistance. Many people seek these mega churches, 
And there's nothing wrong with the mega churches. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying anything against them. But many people seek going to these churches where thousands and thousands of people come because they're looking for a place to be anonymous. They, they want to just come in, do that one service a week, go away, and, and, and that's it. No one's calling on them. No one's challenging them to do anything. No one's holding them accountable. They're seeking the path of least resistance. And so many people in churches, no matter what they size they are, are doing that same thing. What they're doing is, you know, they're really not involved in Bible study. They come and they, they hear a sermon once a week and, and they leave, or once every other week, depending on whether the A, B, C, or the D crowd. D crowd comes on Easter and, and Christmas and they hear the Easter story and the Christmas story once a year and that's enough for them. See, a lot of people want to come but they don't want to serve in ministry. Because that takes extra time, and, and, and that takes extra effort. That's the tough stuff. Now, remember this that Jesus said. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said, you've got to do the tough stuff. That means investing some extra time in reading and praying and serving and sharing your story. The core values of Florida Bible Church. See, that's not easy to do. That's tough to do. It's tough to to carve more time in our lives and and to use our resources for the things of God. So many folks don't want to do that. But Jesus says, those who do it are building their lives on a foundation that is going to allow them to weather the storms of life far better than those who do not. Some folks are living in self-deception. Thinking by doing the very minimum, then they're perfectly within the will of God. Wise men prepare for the future. Again, both guys build in the same location. But one takes the time and does the tough stuff and digs down to the rock and builds the house on a rock. The other one just quickly sets up his house. I can just imagine these two builders in Jesus' story, if it was a real-life situation. One just kind of scouts out the land and says, hey, this, this looks like good land here, easy to build, soil's already broken up, don't have to work too hard, build my house real quickly. The other guy goes down to the building department and says, hey, tell me about the area. I'm thinking of building a house over in such and such neighborhood. Give me some background on, uh, on whether it's a floodplain or, or whatever. They're thinking for the future. See, one wants just to have today be a gratifying experience. The other one knows there's storms coming sometime. And he's preparing for the storms. And Jesus says that's the wise course in life. To prepare knowing that no matter what's going on today, knowing things are going to change knowing that life circumstances aren't going to always be what they are today, and that life cycles, and also that we have an eternal day of accountability. And wise people prepare for the future. They don't live for today. They don't go through a religious experience and go out and brush your hands off and say, I did my thing for you today, God. See, because when the storms of life come, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a vocational issue, whether it's a marriage issue or a child issue, 
The same circumstance, and I see it over and over again, can hit people in the same church who hear the same sermons, the same sermon series, and they respond totally different. Why? Because one has a firm foundation. And their relationship with God is not just a superficial relationship. It's not a compartment of their life. It is encompassing in their life. It's in every compartment. And they tend to respond with faith and hope and promise. And the other person kind of breaks down and sometimes immediately gets angry with God. Their foundation isn't secure. Wise men pursue wisdom. They both hear and act on the words of God. They do the tough stuff because they're preparing for the future. Now, of every one of us today, Jesus' parable begs the question, which one am I? Am I on a foolish life course? Or am I building my relationship with wisdom? When I come each week, do I just hear the words of God? Or do I apply them to my life? Do I allow Him to make a change in me? When I leave here each week, am I a little different than I was when I came in? Because I've invited the Word of God to sting me sometimes, to encourage me at other times. But every time, I'm inviting it to have an impact in my life. And I leave contemplating it and chewing on it and looking for how it applies to me. Or do I come and I hear the same thing my neighbor heard, but I leave with the satisfaction that I did a religious act that day. Which one are you living? Are you doing the tough stuff? Now, now don't confuse when we say doing the tough stuff with trying somehow to, to please God so that He'll let you into heaven someday. Salvation, eternal forgiveness is free to us. It costs God everything. Discipleship is not free. Eternal reward is not free. We receive forgiveness of our sins by trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that every one of us could have our sins forgiven by his sacrifice. That's a gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no foundation. If you're still hoping that you're going to work your way into heaven, the Bible clearly says that you're building the wrong house. And you need to, more than anything else this morning, trust Jesus Christ, even right now as your Savior. 
And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. But the vast majority of us here today have already made that decision. We've laid that first foundation upon the rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, as the old hymn says. But that's where our spiritual relationship with God begins. And from that point on, our life is all about preparation for eternity. And that's what Jesus' parable is about. It's about what are you doing to prepare for what's coming in this life and what's coming for eternity. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that Jesus' parable, as simple as it is, might have a profound impact on our lives today. For those in this assembly today who are living that wise life and they're not only hearing your words but, but they're applying them and they're acting on them in their, their personal life. They're doing the tough stuff realizing that eternity is coming. They're preparing for the future. Then Father, this parable should be a parable of affirmation in their life. Reminding them that Galatians tells us that We should not grow weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we'll receive our reward if we don't give up. And so, Father, even though some who are living the wise life today might be discouraged and they might be tired, their ministries might be tedious, Father, help them to, to be affirmed today that they're building on the rock and everything that they're doing is going to yield them eternal reward. But Father, others today might have come to a startling realization that they are on the sandy bed. That they don't have a firm foundation. And and therefore, when Satan sends the next storm into their life, their consequence and and their, their, their outcome is going to be dramatically different in a negative way. And also, Father, when they stand before you, There's not going to be anything that you can justifiably reward them for for eternity. God, help us to examine ourselves right now. Fools and wise men, which one am I? Which compartment of my life am I living foolishly? Which compartment of my life am I living wisely? God, draw us to you. Help us to build houses that will weather the storm of this life and whether the opportunity of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.